Hey everyone, this is Ray Hilbert, your host here at Bottom Line Faith. We hope that during this time of the global pandemic that you and yours are safe and sound. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be presenting to you some of the best of episodes that we have recorded over the last few years here at Bottom Line Faith. We're doing this in order to bring you some of the best high-profile and specialized speakers to help you navigate this crisis in your leadership in the marketplace. We'll be back with you soon with some new episodes of Bottom Line Faith, but for now, we hope and pray that this episode will be of tremendous value to help you live out your faith in the marketplace. And now, the show that bridges the gap between faith and business. Welcome to Bottom Line Faith. Well, hello, everyone. This is Ray Hilbert. I am your host here at Bottom Line Faith. We are so glad that you've chosen to join us again for another episode where we really like to talk about that intersection, what we call eternal business and real life. Uh, We get a chance to travel around the country and interview some of the most amazing Christ followers who are in the marketplace, in business, and in leadership. We hear their stories. We learn how their faith shapes their journey in business and in leadership. And so we are so grateful, so thankful that you would join us here at Bottom Line Faith. I got to tell you folks, this kind of feels a little bit like a a reunion, and I don't want to say an old friend, but a friend from back in the 90s. I was, uh, some of you know, if you're listeners here, that I used to, uh, several years ago, over 25 years ago, I was on the staff at a ministry called Promise Keepers. And back in the day, Back in the mid-90s, I met today's guest, Dr. Leonard Scott, and he was a trailblazer back then. And when you hear Dr. Scott's stories and the things that God has him doing today, it is amazing. Let me just read a couple of things about Dr. Scott. In fact, uh, I'm a little challenged today exactly where we're going to go in the conversation because I refer to Dr. Scott as that true Renaissance man. We could talk about... His business background, his music background, wellness, all those things. But let me just read a couple of things about Dr. Scott. He is an author and a pastor and a radio show host. He has written several books. He's got a passion for wellness, and his latest book is called The, Ulti- Ult- excuse me, the Ultimate Boost from Within, 31 Days to Health, Wealth, Wholeness, and Happiness. He has been since 1973 a practicing dentist. And we're going to hear about, it's a generational thing now. we got three yeah. generations in the, in the dental practice. He is also the founder and CEO of the nation's oldest gospel recording company, Ty Scott Incorporated, which has been the home to many superstar recording artists in the genre. And a recent milestone, I am so excited to read this, 20 million digital streams through his talent in Ty Scott, Inc. Dr. Scott, welcome to Bottom Line Faith. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, you know what? Uh, I, I really look at you as a legend. I tell Uh-oh. you. <laughs> you must have talked to my mom. <laughs> <laughs> no. Back in the day with, with Promise Keepers, that blew yeah. me away to see thousands of men yes. praising and worshiping God. I mean, that was powerful. It really was to think about 50, 60,000 men who are doing nothing but praising Jesus, all walks of life, all denominations, all careers, all uh, ethnic and genetic backgrounds. It's just amazing. So uh, I'm ready to jump right in because there's a lot of things I want to talk to you about today. And uh, folks, if you're uh, driving, I I won't encourage you to pull over. I won't encourage you to take notes while you're driving, but I would (laughs) encourage you to pull over and take some notes because you are going to learn a lot 
from Dr. Leonard Scott. First of all, tell us a little bit about your background, your your, your vocation. Nineteen? Did I get that right? Nineteen seventy-three. Right. You started right. dental practice. Yes. Where did that love for dentistry come from? That is interesting. My my. So when I was a child, I had very low self-esteem. I really didn't want to do too much. I just wanted to get a job, making a hundred dollars a week, and party on the weekends, and that was my goals. Mm-hmm. But my dad saw something in me I didn't see in myself. You know, he he would tell me boy, you, you can, you got a good mind. You should do it. And he'd always say, you ought to be a doctor. Hmm. And, um, I didn't think I could do that, but I love my parents. I always wanted to please my parents. And so here's what I said. I said to myself, okay, I'm going to give it my best shot. And then when I fail, I'll be able to tell my dad, I tried my best, <laughs> but I found out anything you try your best at, you're probably going to do. And uh, it really kind of, you know, changed my whole perspective of uh, what's possible. Yeah. So, Dr. Scott, are you still practicing dentistry today? I practice one day a week now, except when uh, somebody can't make it in, one of the other dentists, and I'll go in like today. <laughs> I went in and filled in for uh, my granddaughter who wasn't feeling too good. Did did y'all catch what Dr. Scott just <laughs> said? He went in and filled in today for his granddaughter. So this really is a family legacy business. Is that right? You've got several young folks from the family that's practicing. Well, only uh, one daughter and one granddaughter. All right. And where, where do they practice? Now, they all have practiced with me. My daughter was with me for about 10 years until she decided she wanted to get married. And I don't know why she couldn't find anybody in Indianapolis to marry, you know, but... <laughs> So she's actually in Dallas, Texas now, and, and she's still practicing, of course, there. And every now and then she'll fly back in and fin- spend a few days in the office with us. Yeah. <laughs> what is it about, because um, one of the things we love to talk about here at Bottom Line Faith is kind of like what motivates people, where they get their joy in their work and the meaning in following the Lord in their work. What is it about dentistry that was so interesting to you and, and caused you to stick with it for so long? Because you still love it. I, yeah, I do. I really do. And it's it's interesting because I chose dentistry because I was afraid of blood. Okay. And so, uh, and I, I didn't have a clue. As you know, most dentists see more blood than most physicians do, unless they're a surgeon. You know, physicians don't see any blood, you know. <laughs> but uh, uh, that was the reason I kind of went into dentistry. But I found out that when I got into dentistry, um, it's... It's a way that you can, you know, it can help. I've seen, I see people hiding their mouths, hiding their smile because of a tooth is missing or there's a decay or something in the front or the teeth are crooked. And, and I've been able to straighten those crooked teeth or fill in those gaps. And all of a sudden, there's no more hiding the smile, you know, and, and it, it, it builds self-confidence, you know, to be able to, yeah. you know, feel good about your appearance. And, and that's rewarding. Yeah, very rewarding. Very rewarding. Very good. And so um, as as you look out uh, over the past, you know, uh, what is that, 30, 40 years, 45 years? Uh, 40, let's see, yeah, 46 years. I don't know. This is 90, 73, yeah, 46 years. 46 years, yeah. which is amazing. Um, does anything stand out to you as far as what has changed in that <laughs> industry? <laughs> <laughs> when I started, dentists didn't wear gloves, dentists didn't wear masks, 
Dennis didn't have any uh, protective eye gear. I mean, it just, you know, it was totally different. I mean, you know, <laughs> then, as as the AIDS thing came in and yes. all of that, you know, and all all of this change, you know, which, and I'm glad it did, you know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I've, I've seen, you know, those changes uh, that, and, and now everything is digital, you know, x-rays are digital and um, even taking impressions is digital, you know, yeah. you just take a thing and. It's just it's uh it's exciting, and the exciting thing about it too is that with uh, all the the stem cell research, they 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 can actually now instead of putting in metal implants, they can implant your own tooth back in there. And no kidding. Yeah, and it'll grow. They've done it in lab rats. It's gonna be a few years before they get it perfected. Uh, they they say the only thing that's not perfected is what kind of tooth it's gonna be. You know, so you wanna have a molar right there. You know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, that might cause a few <laughs> interesting pictures, right? Right. Uh, very. So the technology is 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 so different, as you said, but the safety issues and those kinds of things. But you still have a passion for it. How have you experienced um, your dentistry as ministry? How has the Lord allowed you to live out your faith in the context of your dentistry practice? Oh, in a large way, we we, we play. Uh, mostly, I should, I can't say all gospel music, but it's mostly gospel music. There are some, a few songs that are just um, maybe a little s- smooth jazz or something, but it's mostly gospel music that we play. And some, and a lot of our patients actually come in, and if it's not playing, they'll say, "Where's, where's the music? You know, we we enjoy the music in here." Mm-hmm. Um, and there is something about gospel music and our inspirational music that is different from. Um, you know the other some of the other genres like the hard rock and the, yeah. you know this there there is music I believe has a spirit you know and when you're in a dentist's office you don't need music that's gonna make you anxious you know music, <laughs> you know, music that's gonna calm you down you know? <laughs> and uh, I do pray with patients at at, at yeah. chairside you know I ask them you know can I can I pray with you and. And sometimes it's for their fear, and sometimes it's for other things, is it? because people do share things with their dentists, you know, that are uh, going on in their lives. Yeah. And I've had a chance to, to, you know, to witness people. I've had a chance to invite people to church, and just, just, uh, especially, you know, when I don't have to worry about somebody coming telling me I can't do that. You know? Right, and, right. And you know, if, if if the patient doesn't like me doing it, well, they just don't come back anymore. You know. Yeah. Well. <laughs> but, I'm sure you know you're probably not me like me. I would probably go, okay, I got you captured. You're in my chair, so I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> you can't go anywhere until I tell you about Jesus. You're probably a much more kind and diplomatic. That's awesome. Let me tell you something about that though. That 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 can be flipped on you. I had a guy come in with this. He had a boom box. He set it down, and when I went to work on his teeth, he said. Uh, you don't mind if I play this song for you, do you? Oh, is that right? <laughs> He's trying to get a record deal. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's actually a great segue because another passion, and uh, I, I read a little bit about it in the introduction here, is you have you started the first gospel music company, Ty Scott Inc., and that was... Tell me a little bit more about that. Well, it wasn't the first. Not the it first, okay. The, it, it was, it, we are the oldest now. Oldest, think, okay. Yeah. Um, the other ones that started before gone belly under, which not for the grace of God, we would be belly under too. Yeah. <laughs> God just been good to us. Um, we And that, that started also as before I got saved, I, I wanted I wanted to be a rock star. 
and hmm. and I was in a group uh, called the Soul Messengers. And this was back in the '60s, the late '60s, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I had a big afro. Don't laugh. And uh, I used to <laughs> used to tie a bandana around it like Jimi Hendrix or somebody. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you have any pictures? I have to see that at some point. That would be awesome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I do, I do. <laughs> but uh, in in the interim, though. Uh, the Lord saved me. The Lord saved me, and at at that point, you know, I got out of the the group, and um, I started. You know, I I really got out of music period because music had been my God. Hmm. Um, you know, you can make a God out of anything, yeah, or anybody, you know. And but now I had found the real, true, and living God, and mm-hmm. I didn't want anything, you know, to pull me away from. That and so I just totally got out of music. After about a year, um, I don't know. It's like I just got a release in my spirit, and, and I just got in the choir, in our church choir. Um, during that time, our our local church was having some internal problems, you know, with uh, the the deacons and the pastor type problems. Okay, all right. Yep. And so um, I went on a. Um, a fast went on a fast, a shut-in actually went into a hotel room for three days and three nights, fasting and praying. I had a my Bible with me. I had a little notebook and a little tape recorder. You know how long that was ago to have a tape recorder, <laughs> and <laughs> you know it's amazing. Um, at the end of that three, when it was time for me to leave, it just the Lord just started giving me songs, just one after another, music and words. Really? Yes. About, I think, about eight or ten of them. I just started singing them. I didn't know what was going on. I started uh-huh. singing them in this little tape recorder. Um, when I stepped outside of the, the the hotel room, and I didn't know this because I hadn't been out for three days, there had been an ice storm. And I don't if you've ever seen an ice storm. Everything looks like it's crystal, you know. <laughs> I thought I had died and gone to heaven. I didn't know what was going on. Really? But, yeah. Had to be very careful because it was slick out there too. But I went to the our, our church organist and asked him what he thought about these songs, and he said, uh, "I think we ought to do a record. I think we ought to do a record." And so we uh, we did a record, and we needed a, a label to put it on. That's my attorney. Um, at this time, I had a, of course the dental practice. And I think I had one or two other businesses, and the attorney said, "Well, you need to incorporate." So uh, somebody says you stole this song, you know they won't be able to sue everything. All they it'll be confined to this entity. And he said, "What do you want to call it?" I said, "I don't know." And uh, he said, "Well, what's 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 your partner's name?" I said, "His name is Tyson." He said, "Your name is Scott. Let's call it Ty Scott." I said, "Okay." <laughs> now I'd like to tell you, an angel came out of heaven and said, <laughs> you know, "The Lord wants you to start this." <laughs> Some things are a little simpler than that, right? <laughs> you know, and I thought that was going to be the end of it, you know. Just really? We put our record out, but things started happening. Other people uh, would come to us and ask if they could use our label, and it just kind of grew. Um, and, and you look back in hindsight, and you can see what God was doing, how yeah. he was, you know, really putting this together. Um, and, yeah. And so now as the nation's old, uh, what, what year did you start, Ty Scott? 1976. Okay. So you'd been practicing dentistry about, about three, three years at that point, now, right. and you, you come to the Lord, and now you started this record company. Um, 
did you have role models that helped you in the music industry or was it kind of a learn as I go? What was that like in the early days for you? It was definitely learn learn as I go. My only experience before had been as a heathen, you know, out there uh, rocking and rolling. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I had very little experience um, as far as like the business end of it. Yeah. Apart from being on the road, but as far as like recording and, you know, we just learned as we went along. Um, yeah. Yep. And one of the things I'm curious about, so you've been in that industry for a long time and, and now as the nation's oldest, and thank you for correcting me earlier, that wasn't the first, but it's the longest withstanding, sustainable, right? Yeah. Um, obviously the Lord's anointing, God's favor, but from a business standpoint, what is it that people in the, in the recording industry, music industry, how do they lose money? How do they make money? How does that work? What's the business model look like? When, when I first got into business, I remember there was a statistic that was mind-blowing. The statistic was one out of nine records breaks even. Now, you can do better than that going to Las Vegas and rolling dice on a table, you know? One out of nine one songs? Out of, one out of nine records. records. So records. when you produce oh, wow. a record, that means you got nine records, one of them is going to make enough money to pay for the record. Okay. So it's a lot like books, right? A lot of authors publish oh, yeah. books, but very few actually sell books. Okay, right. go ahead. Yep. All right. So the odds are overwhelming against your success. Yes, yes. Okay. I mean, you know, but the thing is, and, and this is this is how the, the really uh, major companies make it. If you got somebody that's really selling a lot of them, because once you do break even, the rest is gravy. You know, yeah, it's almost yeah. like free money. You know? Yeah, yeah. Because you're still getting the same amount that you were getting when it wasn't paid for, you know. Uh, and so if you have hit artists, you can make a whole lot of money. Okay. If you don't, you can lose a whole lot of money real quick. So generally speaking in the industry, are the companies like yours, you know, some of those that are still in existence, maybe even some that went, do they go and get investors? Do they put together partnerships? Do they just self-fund these things? Do the artists fund the record companies? As a rule, what what? how does the... I'm just trying to understand the business model. Everything you just said. Okay, it's all that. <laughs> it's, yep, it just depends on the on the deal that that is made, um, and the publishing has a lot to do with it. Also, publishing is a big part of of the of the music industry, and that okay. that's the song. The person that doesn't lose is the songwriter. Um, the artist basically pays for everything the record company just fronts the money okay and so and it's the kind of it's a kind of loan that if it doesn't get paid back the artist doesn't owe it it's not like going to a bank whether you make it or not you got to pay this money back but in the record business that's why a lot of artists get cut because after they've lost so much it's like i'm not taking no more chances on uh -huh. you yeah because you're not going to get that money back. Yeah, absolutely. So for for um, folks who are listening who may be familiar with uh, the gospel industry, uh, to whatever level you're comfortable, what would be some of the artists that you may have worked with over the years that we might, oh, that's someone that, that's pretty cool. Um, well, one, the, one of the artists that really, you know, broke it for us was um, Reverend John P. Key, yeah. New Life Community Choir. We have worked with Carmen. Uh, with uh, Rance Allen Group, yeah, um, Mitchell, yeah, Anthony Brown and Group Therapy. Um, who are some of the others? 
KCJ right now. Uh, uh, Dr. Bobby Jones. Yeah. It's quite a list. Oh, yeah. And there are many more. Just yeah. my uh, senior citizen uh, is, <laughs> <laughs> is kicking in. <laughs> we'll give you a pass. It's all right. All it's right. all good. So what has, um, so in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, you know, I think about all these artists that are touring and those kinds of things. We're buying the albums. Mm-hmm. What has changed in the music industry that would be interesting for for our listeners to that maybe they don't know what like how do the artists make money today and um, where where do the most successful artists make money and where do they not make money that maybe they did at one time? Mm-hmm. Of course, um, one one thing that artists have realized is that the songwriter does make money from the first record sold. From the first record sold, the record company has to get their money back, mm-hmm. but it's from the record sales. It's not from the songs. Songwriter gets paid from the very first record sold. And so what artists have done, they've become songwriters because they've seen how this thing works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> why, why is everybody else getting paid and I'm not getting paid? Well, the artist pays for everything. It, it comes out of the, the sales of the record, but songwriter and publisher gets paid. Okay. Um, uh, there's a TV show, I think it's called Songland. Are okay. you familiar with this? I've heard of it. Yeah, I've so heard, I think yeah. that as I'm listening to what you're talking about, it's very fascinating because it's it's a reality-based TV where they bring in usually in an episode three or four young songwriters that mm-hmm. are making a pitch to these very high-profile artist, and they're looking to sell the song. So you're saying that's where the money is made from almost day one, at least. Yeah. Record one, certainly. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then what about, um, how, is the, how has the digital world changed music, the streaming and downloads, and all? how, how has that changed the, the music industry? People don't buy uh, CDs like they used to. And, right. you know, I've seen it go from, you remember the 45s with yeah. the big hole in the middle? You know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and so it was a singles uh, industry. You know, you bought a song, side A, and then you had a side B. And then albums came along yeah. where if you want the song, you got to buy all 12 of them, you know. You have to buy this whole big thing just to mm-hmm. get this one song. And so that was a lot of uh, a lot of music being sold. Um, the, the, so you got now 12 songs that every yeah. time yeah. somebody buys. And then... But it's really come full circle, back to uh, it's a, back to a singles uh, deal now. You don't have to buy the whole album; you d- you can download, and and people are not really downloading anymore, uh, especially the younger you know generation. Yeah. yeah. They're um they're streaming. Yeah. And so they can stream whatever song they want to hear and listen to it as many times as they want to listen to it over and over if they want to, or listen to anything else they want to listen to. And so streaming is really um, the way that people are getting their music now. Yeah. And um, the uh, streaming numbers aren't what they should be, but... In terms of compensation to the artist, is that what you're referring to? Right. Okay. Right. Uh, and to, to all those who are uh, involved, yeah. which is the publishers and songwriters, you know. So everybody's getting paid from this same... Uh, stream yeah uh, in in your in your information that i read it, it talked about uh over 20 million digital streams through ty scott w- where what's the average music company do 
over the course of their, I mean, I'm probably asking an unfair <laughs> question, but would yeah. that be considered like successful in, in, in the industry, 20 million streams? I, I, I think that anytime, you know, you get past a million, you're doing okay. okay. You know, well, that's okay. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's, it's like, what, what do they call now? Uh, something going viral. Yeah. You know, after you get yeah. so many hits, it's gone viral. Yeah. Well, if it goes viral, it's successful. You know, if you, if you get in, if like four or 500,000 people have looked at what you put up there, it's probably successful, you know. Yeah, big, big time stuff. So folks, we're speaking with Dr. Leonard Scott, author and pastor, founder of Ty Scott, Inc. Uh, Dr. Scott, before we go any further, if someone would like to learn more about you and your company, What's the best website for them to check out? Uh, BishopLScott.com for uh, me personally, but for the record company, it's Tyscott.com. And that's T-Y-S-C-O-T-T.com. Only one T at the end. Okay, my fault. <laughs> my fault. Oh, let me, let me Wait, restate that. Then. Yeah, so that is T-Y-S-C-O-T.com. That's right. All right. Yes. Or BishopLScott.com. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Um, this is fascinating to me to learn the background from dentistry and the ministry there and music and how that all came about. What I'd like to do is I'd like to learn a bit more about lessons learned and your journey along the way. Okay. And as you look back over the course of your career, um, what would you say, whether it's in dentistry or the music industry, however, however you want to answer this, is what would you say is one of the biggest mistakes you ever made, and what did God teach you in the middle of that? Oh, Wow. <laughs> you know what? It just came to me too. When I was first starting in dentistry, I started by myself. You know, I didn't have any assistants or anything, and so I hired this one young lady to be my assistant, and she did everything. She did the front desk. You know, she came back and assisted me chair side. I mean, she was. Uh, and so one day it was late. I was frustrated, and uh, she was helping me. You know, I was trying to pull this tooth, didn't want to come out, and I don't know. I hollered at her. You know. <laughs> And she just nicely just laid down her things and just walked away. And I couldn't do it without her, you know. <laughs> like, oh, no. What happened? What happened? I, I told the, uh, the patient, excuse me for a minute. I went back and I found her. And I said, I'm sorry. Will you please come back and help me? <laughs> <laughs> At least let's get through this procedure. Did she come back? Yeah, she did. You know, I apologize. <laughs> you know? Did you give her a raise? I don't remember. That's okay, a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but she certainly. Uh, you you realize real quickly how important she was to the overall operation, right? Yes, yes, and you know I I can't do this by myself, you know, and and if you don't treat people right, you know they're not going to stay around you. you know? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Somebody told me years ago, and I'm sure you've you've heard this too. That there's one thing you know if you see a turtle on a sitting on top of a fence post, there's one thing, you know, they didn't get there on their own, right? right. So yeah. so that was a lesson learned about the importance of other people right. in, in, in your journey and in your success. So, uh, Dr. Scott, how has your faith shaped the way you've done business, whether that's in the dentistry practice? We talked about your ministry of playing music and praying with your patients, those kinds of things, but whether you want to talk about it from a dentistry standpoint or from your music uh, um, comp- recording company, how has your faith shaped the way you do business? What role has it played? It's, it's played a very big role um, because regardless of who you are or what industry you're in, I, I heard somebody say one time, the flesh is never saved, you know. 
your soul is saved, but you're still living in this. Pastor Paul said, I have to renew my mind daily. Mm. He said, you know, I have to crucify. He said, crucify this flesh daily. <laughs> right. And so you always are tempted to do things that will uh, maybe have a an effect now, but later on, you know, maybe it's just a little untruth you have to tell or just a little something you have to hide, you know, which, you know, this really isn't right, but it's going to. And so um, just making the decision that I'm going to be honest and I'm, I'm going to have integrity regardless of what gets presented, you know, if, if I have to lose on this one, I'll just lose, you know, um, because on in the long run, you know, I believe it's better for me to please the Lord than to either make a few extra dollars or yeah. get a little extra whatever, you know. Yeah, so I'm going to just speculate on this one. Just I'm going to contextualize this into dentistry, right? Like a patient would never know whether they genuinely need a procedure or not. Right. So there's the opportunity, because you have expertise, they do not. Right. Um, you could, if you so were inclined, could take advantage of that. Certainly. And that's what you're talking about, right? That yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, and, and it happens every day. You know, I, I have people actually come into my office, you know, and some things you, you can't tell because you weren't there. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times you don't know what the other dentist was looking at when mm-hmm. when it happened. But some things you do know, you know, they didn't, that wasn't right. You know, yeah. I'd never tell a patient that. I'd never, you know, but, you know, in your in your heart and... It's just, it's that integrity thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And you said it because you're answering to the Lord regardless, right? right. Yeah. And, and, and what about in the music industry? How, uh, you're in the gospel music industry, I, I understand that, but I know that doesn't automatically mean everything's going to be done ethically and in a godly way. How's yeah. your faith been tested in the music, gospel music industry? Yes, um, Everybody, everybody in gospel music is not saved, you know. Yeah. Everybody in gospel music does not purport to be saved. I, when I remember, I read read a book when I was uh, newly saved, um, and it was written by a young lady that her and her husband had a, uh, a a studio, and you know she said everybody came through there, but she said the Lord saved her, and she just couldn't wait for a gospel group to come through, you know, because mm-hmm. she wanted to tell them, you know. And she said, this group came through, and she was saying, I'm saved now. And she said, they looked at her like, <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah. What and, and that's what she said. That at, at that point, she realized, you know, everybody singing about Jesus don't even know Jesus. You know, it's just a job. It's, you know, it's a way to make money. Uh, and so, you know, when, when you do love the Lord, you feel like everybody that uh, purports to love him, love him too, but mm-hmm. not necessarily so. There's uh, some people that they know they can make good money doing it. Yeah, and yeah. So can you can can you? Um, is there a situation that comes back to mind about a time in your career? Let's let's maybe focus this one on the music industry where your faith was really tested. Maybe there was a really tough business decision. You were facing tough times. Maybe. Maybe it was financial or whatever, but what comes to mind as maybe a, a really difficult season in business, and then how did your faith pull you through that? 
Well, back in the 90s, um, we had a uh, distributor. They distributed us, and um, they went bankrupt on us. And at the time, we had the number one record in the in the nation. Mm. It's Reverend John P. Key in the New Life Community Choir. We walk by faith and not by sight. <laughs> Remember that song? Yeah. <laughs> Big hit. Monster hit. And a distributor calls us on a Friday evening and says, um, we're going to, got bad news for you. We, we're going to go bankrupt. And he said, it's not going to be one of those reorganizations where you might get a 10 cent on a dollar or something. He said, we're going totally out of business. Uh, and he said, and it's going to happen Monday. This was on a Friday evening. And he told me, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I began to praise the Lord over the phone. I said, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I love you. I think he thought I'd lost it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he owed me about $300,000. And um, whew, the, the money I needed to pay everybody, yeah, pay the artists, the songwriters, the manufacturers, you know, everybody. And uh, yeah. And so he asked me, did you hear what I said? I said, uh, yeah, I heard you. And he said, well, uh, he told me he was sorry again and hung up the phone. And uh, it was it was a. Uh, a situation, you know, the thing is, you know, either you're going to trust God or you're not, you know. The Bible says that all things work together for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Right. right. Either you're going to believe that or you're not. Mm. I mean, when, when really crazy stuff happens that you think, how can something good come out of this? Right. Well, do you believe God mm. or not? <laughs> well, I'd like to just park there just for a moment, because somebody listening to our conversation right now is probably going through a really, really hard time in their business, perhaps. And maybe a deal just went south, or they've been praying and waiting on something, and it's not happening. Uh, maybe they're not sure how they're going to meet next payroll. I yeah. mean, to get that call on a Friday and and now realize there's $300,000 not coming into your business, and you've got things you've committed to. Right. And to all you could do at that moment was praise Jesus. <laughs> and, you know, may not have felt like it, uh, you know, but on the inside, but, you know, on the outside, you're praising Him. Yeah. What advice or encouragement would you have for somebody who's listening to our conversation right now, and they're at that point of despair, they're at that point of darkness and discouragement, and they don't see a way out, and they just don't see how they can praise Jesus? What words would you say to them? Ray, I, I tell you, just... Just trust him. Just just believe him. Um, that's the only way our faith is built. When when things happen, I mean, your faith isn't built when everything is going yeah. fine. Right. You know, it's, it's those those hard times that. Um, and and I've had people actually tell me when they heard that story that you know what we were getting ready to fold, throwing the towel. But if God can do that for you. Uh, our situation isn't that bad. I know he can bring us out, you know. Yeah. And so a lot of times I believe God allows things to happen to give you a testimony that's going to help somebody else. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I think that's a, a, a great segue because when I, in the opening comments in the show I talked about there were three big areas of passion for you. There was dentistry, music, and then wellness. Yes, and, yes. and and on this uh, kind of topic of uh, going through tough times and, and praising the Lord and trusting Him— You've had some health scares in your own family, in your own journey. Uh, tell us a little bit about your daughter's fight uh, with leukemia, lymphoma, and then maybe even 
your own health scare that you recently experienced, and, and how does God getting you through those things? Yes, yes. My, our daughter uh, is a picture of health, never been sick. Uh, she's in her 30s now. Or at, when all this happened, she was in her 30s. Um, she's an attorney, and she was engaged to a young doctor. And I mean, everything she got, uh, she was working in corporate America in mm-hmm. the legal department, got elevated, bought a home down in Orlando, Florida, you know, just everything. Life is looking good. Yeah, everything. This child just seemed like she calls me one day when she was in college and says, what, what political affiliation are we? I said, why? She said, because they want to put me on the uh, board of the college, of the university, and it's appointed by the governor. <laughs> and I asked her a question. What political affiliation is the governor? That's what you are. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a smart man right there. <laughs> but, I mean, just that's, that's the way her life goes. Just everything going good. And so uh, one day I love that. You know, she's, she starts getting short of breath. And these spotches start coming on her skin. And uh, her fiance tells her if he don't, if she doesn't go get checked out, he's gonna leave her, because <laughs> she had a checkup six months before and perfect bill of health. Mm-hmm. So she goes on her lunch break, and while she's sitting there, uh, after they ran tests on her, she's sitting in the office there in, in the waiting room, and she says the Lord speaks to her, and tells her, it's gonna get worse, but you already have the victory. And uh, it got worse. They came out, told her what the deal was, immediately rushed her to the hospital. They said just a few more hours and she'd be out of here. They oh did immediate goodness. transfusion on her, and it just um, just went <laughs> down, down, down. She um, relocated, you know, back uh, to Indianapolis where we, you know, because she didn't have any really family down in, mm-hmm. in uh, Florida where we could, uh, you know, help take care of her. And she was in the hospital there. And the only the kind of leukemia she had, the only way that she could be healed was um, short of a direct miracle from God would be a bone marrow transplant. Mm. And there was no match for her in, in the registry, you know, all over the world, no match for her. And so she was kind of like doomed to um, just keep on getting transfusions until she expired, you know. Uh, but I remember I was sitting in, in the in the uh, hospital with her, and the nurse came in happy and beaming, and she said, they found a match, they found a match. <laughs> and, and here's the deal, though. It wasn't from a person. The match was from um, an umbilical cord. They had just discovered that they could use the stem cells from an umbilical cord in order to... Uh, do a bone marrow transplant. No <laughs> kidding. Yeah, and so some woman had had a baby and, and donated the umbilical cord, and the ma- it was a match for her. Oh, my goodness. She told me, she said, Daddy, God allowed a baby to be born so I could live. Hallelujah. That'll right. preach, you know. <laughs> that, that, that will <laughs> preach. Uh, folks, we're going to pause right now and take an offering. <laughs> that is amazing. So how, how's she doing now? She is uh, totally healed. It wasn't easy though. Just just getting the bone marrow transplant, because a lot of people die after that. Yeah. Because yeah. what you have to go through, they have to 
totally wipe out your immune system. Right. Chemotherapy, radiation therapy, it takes you to the point of death. And uh, when she was at the lowest air of our, she told uh, her fiance, she actually released him, said, you know, because yeah. they had told her yeah. that if she did live, she might just be a vegetable. And she told him that, uh, you know, you're a young doctor, you got the whole life ahead of you, and I don't want to be a hindrance. And and he looked at her and said, all I want is to spend the rest of my life with you. I like that boy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they are happily married. She's totally healed. Wow. Uh, yeah. Then doing fine. And that's fan- that. Thank you for sharing that. That's, that's so powerful. And then you've had your own health scare just within the last, what, year, year and a half? Yes, yes, yes. I, I was... Um, and this is real interesting. You know, I wrote this book, The Ultimate Boost from Within, 31 Days to Health, Wealth, Wholeness, and Happiness. You know, I'm, I'm the epitome of health. And uh, so I'm at church, and it's on Easter, actually, Easter Sunday morning. And the children have done, I didn't preach, the children did a Easter presentation. And all I was to do was just make the call to discipleship afterwards, just go up. And, and as I was making my way to the front, I started getting... I was looking at my Bible and I couldn't read it. I'm like, hmm. what's going on? And next thing I know, I was out. And uh, so they called 911. They tell me I was out for about three or four minutes. And um, during that time, I kind of had like an outer body. Uh, and it was kind of look, like looking at myself down there. And, and it was like, Lord, is this it? You know, is it time for me to? But then, you know, like. They they rushed me to the hospital, you know, ambulance, and did all kind of tests, uh, CT scans, X-rays, asked me all kind of questions. You ever been sick before? Do you have this, this? I don't have anything. Are you any medication? I don't have any medication. No, 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 no. Has this ever happened before? No. You know, just And so they couldn't find anything wrong. And they said, well, they said, well uh, all right. And, and so I had a conversation with the Lord. I said, Lord, what was that all about? You know what? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is is and and is this going to happen again? I mean, suppose I'm driving down the street, right. and just boom, I'm out. You know what? What is this all about? And 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 the Lord, He said two words that changed my life. He said, "Trust me." Okay, trust me. <laughs> And I've read that over and over in, in the Bible. Yeah. But when you go through something and God tells you, trust me, I mean, it, it, it put my faith at another level. That is incredible. You know what? I don't have to understand it. And you've not had anything since? No. No. Wow. That was a message just to learn to trust him at a new level. Yeah. That yeah. is incredible. Well, Dr. Scott, we, this has been amazingly fun for me, and I, I just know that those who are listening to our conversations, they've been encouraged as we've learned about your career, your faith, your you know, stories like that, just you know, the healing of your daughter and, and your own journey. I have two questions now. We're okay. kind of down near the end. It's been amazing. been amazing. Uh, I'd like you to, and this is kind of like what I call my advice section, if you will, in the conversation. Mm-hmm. If you could go back and sit across the table from yourself when you were 20, 21, 22 years old. Mm-hmm. If you could convince the 21-year-old version of you to listen to <laughs> you, yeah. what would you say? What advice would you give to the old 21-year-old version of you? Boy, get saved now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I tell you, the only regret I had when the Lord saved me was I didn't do it so much earlier. Yeah, okay. You know, some something about when you're young, you think you're going to live forever. You yeah. think that uh, those people over there, they don't have any fun. You know, they gotta, they can't. And, and you don't realize that what you're calling fun is really death. You know, it's like. Uh, <laughs> That's amazing. That I would try my best to convince him. Do it now. <laughs> Today is the day of salvation, right? You're not missing out on anything. Take my word for it. Oh, that's fantastic. So just real quickly again, folks, if you want to learn more about Dr. Scott, go to bishoplscott.com, bishoplscott.com, or you can learn about Ty Scott, his uh, uh, gospel recording uh, label uh, at tyscott, T-Y-S-C-O-T.com. Time for my last question, and those who regularly listen to the program know this is always my last question, and I call it my 423. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's based out of Proverbs 423, where Solomon writes, where he says, Above all else, guard your heart, for from it flows all of life. Mm -hmm. So, Dr. Scott, if if you have an opportunity, this side of eternity, where you could gather your family, your friends, your loved ones, and you could say... I want you to just remember this above all else. That's what I'd like you to do to end our conversation today. What would be the one piece of above all else advice that you would want to leave not only your family, friends, and loved ones with, but our audience here at Bottom Line Faith? Fill in the blank. Above all else. Oh, above all else. Make God the priority in your life. Just just make Him the number one priority. You know what? I believe if you do that, everything else will work out. Okay. If you just keep him. And that's easier said than done. Because yes. <laughs> stuff happens and stuff comes along and it yes. kind of moves him out, you know. But if you can keep him above all else, yeah, keep, keep him as the prime priority. So when you get that call in business, somebody's going to sh- not be able to pay your $300,000 to you. When you get that call from your daughter who's telling you she's got a terminal disease, when you have that experience where your own health scare is amazing and you have that out-of-body experience, what you're saying to us is, above all else, just trust God. Trust God. Put Him first. That's it. I can't think of any better advice. Hallelujah. (laughs) All right, fantastic. Dr. Scott, thank you for being our guest here today. Oh, man, thank you. I've had a good time. It has been a good time. (laughs) I, I just want to encourage you, if you've enjoyed the conversation as I have, uh, check out those websites, Bishop L. Scott, that's two T's on the back of that, dot com, and then Ty Scott, T-Y-S-C-O-T dot com to learn about Dr. Scott's uh, record uh, label, Ty Scott Incorporated. Uh, I'm holding a, a CD here, Bishop Leonard Scott, Jesus Love Legacy. I'm checking out his latest book, The Ultimate Boost from Within, 31 Days to Health, well, uh, Health, Wealth, Wholeness, and Happiness. I love this down here. It says, bless your bones. Bless your bones. Bless your bones. <laughs> like down in the South, they say, bless your heart up here. We're going to yeah. say, bless your bones. <laughs> Folks, check out Dr. Scott. And that's what we're about here at Bottom Line Faith is bringing you conversations like this. I pray you've been encouraged today as a Christ follower in business and in leadership to live out your faith no matter where God's calling you in the marketplace. So until next time, I am your host here, Ray Hilbert at Bottom Line Faith. Check out the show notes uh, from the interview with Dr. Scott. You're going to get a lot of insights there. Hey, recommend the program to your family and friends. That's how we get more traffic and more awareness. Whatever you can do, 
But most importantly, pray for us, because we are continuing to see God work mighty things through the program. So until next time, I am your host at Bottom Line Faith, Ray Hilbert, encouraging you to live out your faith every day in the marketplace. God bless, and we'll see you next time. Bottom Line Faith is brought to you by Truth at Work. If you'd like to hear about new episodes or listen to past episodes, visit us online at bottomlinefaith.org. You can also subscribe to the show through Google Play and iTunes.